Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics, they talk, we listen. We have a first today on Heads Talk, two distinguished guests that have together done fabulous things for women in business. They've been recognised for their achievements and have both received the MBE as a result. I can feel the energy today on Heads Talk. It's going to be a good one. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. Every Woman's Self-Made Entrepreneurs Hub, in partnership with NatWest, features a wealth of videos, personal journeys and resources to support women to start and grow their business. The NatWest Every Woman Awards have been celebrating women business owners for 18 years. Visit us at www.everywoman-selfmade.com Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Patricia Allen, wealth advisor and founder of Paris Financial Planning in San Francisco, California. I am delighted to sponsor this episode of Heads Talk, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I have professional women achieve financial freedom and independence with my five-step Life by Your Design blueprint, which is designed to grow, protect, and preserve their assets and income. To find out more how I can help you, visit me at parisfinancialplanning.com and LinkedIn at Patricia Allen CRPC. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Karen Gill and Maxine Benson are the founders of Every Woman. This phenomenal organization has recently celebrated 21 years since its inception. It is a global brand. Every Woman is a hub, a professional organization that has been set up primarily for the advancement of women in business. Every Woman not just works with individual female entrepreneurs or collective females, but with corporations, well-known blue chip brands to meet mutual goals. Karen and Maxine have turned this concept into a global organization spanning over 100 countries with 30,000 members. Annually, Every Woman helps thousands of females on their business and career journeys. There's a lot more I can say about this, but I'm going to leave it to the experts themselves to tell you more about it. They have both been awarded the MBE in 2009 in recognition for their services to women's enterprise. Both Karen and Maxine have worked in business and industry before creating Every Woman. Karen has had an international career and was the Vice President of Sales, EMEA, for the Intercontinental Hotels. Maxine got the entrepreneurial bug early on and has had a period in the US working in films and television with the casting director, A.B. Kaufman. They are passionate about gender equality in business and are advocates for getting more and more women and girls into STEM education profession. We're going to hear a lot more about how passionate they both are and hopefully they will regale us with many stories that have led them to the position they are in today. But as mentioned before, it's best if they tell you themselves. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome both Karen and Maxine to Head to Talk. Delighted to have you both here today. How are you? Great, thanks Elaine. Yeah, thank you Elaine, great to be here. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to have you here and as I mentioned, it is a first, I have two individuals, individual guests on Heads Talk. Let's go, go straight into getting to know Karen and Maxine. A very straightforward question, who is Maxine? Who is Karen? Tell my listeners a brief story about your careers, life, prior to every woman. Maxine, could you start? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
What can I tell you? I, well, I am someone who left school early um, at 17 um, with a, a big ambition, but not a really a clue as to what I wanted to do with that. Um, I think it was from traveling um, to Australia when I was very young, which is actually where I met Karen, but it was there that I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to work for entrepreneurs. And I think at that point, I, I understood that that was probably the environment that I wanted to work in. Um, from Australia, I went to New York and went into, um, wanted to go into film, um, ended up working for the wonderful Lady Kaufman and in the film industry. I think that that um, fueled a, a, a creative bug in me, um, but it was certainly um, something that when Karen and I then started to think about what we wanted to do as a business, um, we, we understood that we wanted to do something creative and we wanted to make change. And uh, yeah, I think I'm somebody who has not really ever had a plan, um, just ambition. Good. Okay. And Karen? Hi. Uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. I was wondering what it would be like if I got to talk about Maxine and she got to talk about me. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could have done it that way, shouldn't we? Yeah, because actually we have known each other now for nearly 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, for the past 20, probably spent more time together than we do with our respective partners. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously uh, we do know each other extremely well. And I, I think what it's quite interesting sometimes when we get outsiders talk about our partnership and 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 the create that what happens is the energy that's combined creates incredible um creativity um and and vision um and passion um so yeah so so me um as maxine said actually we both met in australia in our very very early 20s when we were on the you know had the travel bug mm -hmm. um having come out of the uk from what I would have said before this uh, current crisis, probably the country's worst recession um, post-war in the 70, late 70s, early 80s. Um, of course, nothing compares with where we are today. Um, but, you know, we start, I started out my career in the hotel industry um, and was just very, very fortunate to work for a company that really believed in investing in its people, in giving people opportunity and chance and equality. It was a very, very multicultural organisation. So I worked with people from every, every culture and from every uh, country, which was an incredibly rich experience and, and has set me up for, you know, a great business life, really. Um, and I left them back in the late 90s because I had my son. And, and I guess, you know, Max and I just celebrated 21 years of every woman. Um, it, that wasn't the plan to, to, to mm. us to be working um, for the advancement for women, women for two decades. We would have hoped we would have achieved um, a lot more, although we have achieved a lot, I think. Um, in the culture of business. But back then, of course, it was very hard two decades ago before, um, you know, where technology is today to, to combine a career with family life and caring responsibilities. And so that is why I left my career, which involved a lot of travel yeah. and a lot of away from home. Uh, Max was, as she's explained, was in New York and was coming back to the UK after 18 years living, living overseas. Um, 
and we decided it would be really fun to create an enterprise together to do something to to do something as i said creative and our first our first enterprise was to to look at doing something in tv production which we failed dismally at um and and that is when we started to meet other women that would all were also trying to 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 create a working environment that fitted with their their you know their caring responsibilities and their lifestyle um, and that's when we recognized that actually there was a whole community of women that really needed to um, needed a platform to talk about how difficult they were finding finding business the business world and also that they we created a network where they could support each other and that was really the birth of every woman back in 98 99 okay so, so you pretty much touched upon a lot of things and answered some of the questions that I wanted to to cover sort of later on but let's just stay pre-1999 for the time being okay. um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of women out there today that have, haven't really got an idea of what it was like um, unfortunately I do know what it was like so I'm one of the <laughs> ones I haven't got a clue what it was like for us back then pre-1999 pre the creation of every woman so can you just just talk my um, listeners through what life was like before that for an average woman in the business world or any work environment that you're familiar with? Well, I think, um, you know, the possibility for flexibility was very hard. Mm. Um, And that, and and people talk about how technology has revolutionized, obviously it's revolutionized the world and it's revolutionized the workplace, but it's really revolutionized women's working lives because it has enabled you to be, to get that flexibility. So, you know, when in the mid 90s, there was no email, there was no data transfer across mobile phones, you know. So really, the, the only way you could work was in your office. People didn't have home PCs. The only place you could work was in your office. And, and, and also the mindset in the culture was a lot around meetings and telephone work. So you had to be present. Yeah. Um, there was also, I mean, a job was a job, wasn't it? So there was a role to do. It was invariably done in the office or if you were on the road. But this idea of any kind of flexibility or or any kind of sharing of responsibilities, if you were in a relationship, you know, if you were a family unit of some sort, that never existed, did it? You either could do the job or you couldn't do the job. End of chat. Yeah, that's right. And actually, that was why there was the advent of women. I, I think that we, we talk about this quite a bit. So we do say te- technology re- revolutionised women's working lives in much the same way that the pill did back in the late 50s and the early 60s, because it, it, it enabled choice and it enabled flexibility. Um, so, so that was a real, real tipping point. Um, but yeah, but also there was it was a different culture as Max says. So so it was a gradual a gradual yeah. um, increase yeah. of be, being yeah. able to get that flexibility. But of course the other thing that's happened in the past three decades um, it, it is the, the the age at which women have their children. So that has changed dramatically in two generations. So my parents' generations, they all had their kids in their, you know, late teens, early 20s. They were married. They had the children. It was impossible for them to work. Um, And so, um, you know, and then a generation on, the average age for a woman to have her first child is in her early 30s. That's a significant difference because it basically means that she's got 10 years of working life under her belt, minimum. 
Um, and therefore, when she goes to st starts her family, you know, that there is not, there is still a desire to want to be connected into the business world and, 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 and the profession, if it's a profession or the career that they've invested in. We started to see, you know, women grappling with, well, I can't go back and do the job I did, but I'm not prepared to just do nothing. So that was kind of the, the, the evolution of what they called the kitchen top enterprise where women started their own mm -hmm. businesses and freelance work and, and, and staying involved in business while they were still in the home caring for family. Mm -hmm. So and I, I, I suppose also, um, I think what they call them was geriatric moms, not a very nice phrase, but no. starting to have children at a, a later age meant that they must have established themselves, especially in the work life prior to that. So they've got a taste of options. And therefore it was a case of after having children, you know there was an option to go back to work and you wanted to do something like that. Whereas in our parents' generation, when there wasn't the option, it was just that, and that was all you had. So it's a very, very different time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And also, of course, Elaine, that impacted on educational attainment as well. Mm. You know, if, pair, if, if women were, and as they were, um, they weren't as qualified as men because they yes. were often, um, you know, getting married and having children earlier. And, um, you know, that was a time when a job description would go up and it would be very specific about educational attainment yes. um, that it was looking for. And if you, if you didn't have that, then don't apply. Mm. Yes, yes, it's, it's, it's a, so that, that, that sort of gives a nice little picture for um, the women today of what it was like for um, women pre-1999. Now, right, let's talk about your professional organisation, Every Woman. Um, I gave a brief introduction to it at the start, um, and I think, um, Karen, you mentioned some of what, what could have been a class as a trigger, and that started this amazing organization, you both effectively turned a concept to a thriving living organization with 30,000 members in over 100 countries. How did it start? Tell my listeners all about it. Tell us about its aims and objectives. What are you doing and what have you accomplished? Yeah, well, I, I think, as, as I said, you know, at the beginning, we had recognized that there was a need just uh, for um, to be able to connect women who are all doing the same thing in their homes were feeling very isolated and also to provide them a platform to feed back to the business community to say hey look you know you could be serving us as a market much much um you know in a better way um so we originally set out to create a um a community and a network and a platform for female entrepreneurs and it was a really fantastic beginning because these women had a lot to say and they were very very um, energetic and passionate um, as entrepreneurs are. So we did a lot of events. We got, got um, you know, some great sponsors from the beginning like IBM and Avon who really had recognised that they wanted to learn more about how they could serve the community of female enterprise. But, you know, at the time it was a challenging conversation because there wasn't, the word diversity didn't really exist in day-to-day -day language. It, you know, it wasn't really an accepted um it wasn't really accepted that there was gender difference that you know women entrepreneurs maybe wanted to do a different thing than male entrepreneurs there was a lot of skepticism it was a lot of anecdotal conversation rather than research mm -hmm. and evidence based but do you remember karen back then you know there was also the other the other driver for us was that when we when we started to, you know to set up our own business and and 
you know, the business support that was available to us was very patronizing um, because I don't think they came across very many women business owners and were skeptical about our ability to achieve any kind of business success, regardless of what we had done prior to this. Yeah. And the, the moments of magic and, and the things that kept us going were, were really when we met other women who had been there and done that. And that for us was the beginning of this idea of the power of role models, mm -hmm. you know, and the support of a network. And um, so it's like, well, when we meet these women, they're very inspirational and they're very supportive. We need to meet more of them. And of course, the biggest challenge of all is that back then, the media did not feature stories of women who were achieving success. The only stories that you read in the broadsheets were about FTSE 100 companies or the very most successful businesses. And so the only women-led businesses that you ever read about was probably Anita Roddick and the Body Shop back then. You know, so there wasn't a sense when we were out there trying to start a business that there was anybody else that looked like you out there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, and so, I that vividly. And so for us, you know, when we discovered that networking and the power of role models, that was one of our biggest drivers to go, well, if this is, if this has the impact for us that it's having, it's incredibly inspiring it's, and, and motivating, then surely it would, it would have that same effect on other women. And, and that was the big catalyst, wasn't it, Karen, for us wanting to create this. Because and, and start the awards. Yeah, that's what that's the perp what, what, I mean I think the everyone awards are now in their 18th they're in their 18th year last year so 19th year coming up for 20 mm -hmm. um, you know and the whole purpose of starting the awards program was to try to uncover the stories that we were hearing but then bring them to the limelight so that other women could see that actually you can start your own business there are some challenges and some hurdles to get yeah. over and, and as Max said actually yeah forgotten about that you know the business community were very patronizing towards women wanting to start businesses the business you know, the community that really were there to support you the banks the the accountants um, the IT providers and, and that's why we were feeding back to them to say listen have you listened to this community and, and how they're feeling about your service so that's how we started to work with organizations and then interestingly you know what happened was those organizations really got on board and they kind of like was a bit, a bit of a light bulb moment a bit of a wake-up call it's like gosh this is this is 50 percent of the population and you know a good percentage of the working population and we're really not tuning into them or providing them a service that they're comfortable with um and then okay i think there was the recognition that Mm, this this is sounding familiar you know the conversation around we really don't feel like we're supported we don't feel like we fit it's really hard um for us to combine what you know the things the other stuff we have going on in our life and you know still today women you know are still doing the lion's share of family care when you look at what's going on i was thinking about this last night actually when you look at the news and you look at what the conversation here in the uk particularly at the moment is about regarding homeschooling Every single person interviewed is a mother. Yeah. You know, I just thought it's so sad. There has to be some fathers out there, you know, or, or you know, some parents of <coughs> um, all sorts of different families, diverse families that are that are dealing with the homeschooling issue. And yet our media are only interview, interviewing the mothers. And so, but actually it's probably indicative of the fact that it's still the lion's share is going yeah. to women I'm in the I'm family I'm to deal I'm with this particular challenge. And I've seen that as well, Karen, probably watching the same thing as you were. And I've seen that as well. And I was wondering, as, 
you know, COVID has devastated a lot of businesses and, and a lot of jobs. And I wonder how many female entrepreneurs have had to sort of, you know, part what they're doing for the time being because they've had to manage three kids and homeschooling as such, rather than and being allowed to work from home and get on with it. So it'd be interesting, I think, thereafter to see some of the percentages, some of the stats of um, female owned businesses that have, um, that have collapsed as a result of this. Um, in comparison to think, yeah I think that's an interesting um, observation and, and actually you know our entrepreneur awards what we ran in December and of course that was um, you know nominations of submissions mm -hmm. and our finalists have been through nine months of the crisis yeah. um, you know entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs and the one thing that they have in common male or female is they are incredibly adaptable flexible and, and, and creative mm -hmm. and so actually you know that they were very you could see how the pandemic had affected them with their families with their kids and they pivoted really quickly they know how to pull in and pull on their network to help with care to the kids go to school and they might go to work with them and they create a little corner in the i think it's more the court from what i've picked up from our community it's more women in the corporate world that have struggled um where they have suddenly got two to three children at home that they're having to home school and the homeschooling is very shambolic. Um, but they are still in an organization that needs them on, you know, zoom because they're not so much in control as an entrepreneur who actually can just cancel a diary if she feels like yeah. it. That, that is very true. That is very true. Yeah. Um, okay. Continuing with every woman, talk about some of the mentorship programs that you do, some of the, the training. Well, the big focus for us is, you know, we know whether you're, whether they're entrepreneurs or whether they're women working in workplaces, employees, there are, from a leadership point of view, there are recurring topics that come up again and again as areas that women want to spend more time focusing on. You know, it won't be a surprise around the confidence piece, self-limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. um, being comfortable with power. Those kind of topics are um, ever, ever popular um, and an area that women want to hear how other women are dealing with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's also the, for us, the, the power very much of the network because that does help build confidence. And it does help you realize that the challenges I'm having are not unique to me. And that is a very empowering thing to discover. So a lot of the training and the mentoring, um, you know, the mentoring that we see going on will often be around that. Um, mm -hmm. How have you navigated? How do you balance all of these things? A lot of a lot of the challenges that perhaps are uniquely women or are, are uniquely women's challenges or are the things that often women are not comfortable to make public. Like, I don't feel that confident walking into a room and speaking to people or, mm -hmm. I, you know, having my voice heard. Um, those kind of things can, uh, you know, a safe mentoring environment is a great place to start to unpick some of that. And a lot of our leadership development and training is around those very popular topics too. Okay, but that's good. I, you know, without a doubt, last year, 2020, was the strangest of years. Yeah. How did COVID affect your business? How did it affect every woman? You, in, in, in a normal year, have a lot of events. COVID yeah. has devastated the events industry, yeah. yet 
this was an opportunity for you. Read the, the recent um, NatWest Every Woman's Award show. I watched it live and online. It was amazing to watch. Amazing organisation and entertaining too. Just tell my listeners about it. Well, I think, you know, when this happened, when this, we were probably, if I remember Max, one of the last big events. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the 4th of March. I think London went into lockdown the week after. And actually at that time, we were, should we still go ahead with this? We consulted obviously with our sponsors and our key stakeholders for the event. There was a big event uh, for women in technology and everybody agreed that we should still go ahead. But I think it was one of the last events. And we knew when we walked out of that conference and that award ceremony that, you know, actually things were going to be very different. But we didn't know for how long, I think. I think everybody thought, oh, this is going to be for, you know, a couple of months. Yeah. Um, and so, but actually, what what did ha what what the, the what we did think was, gosh, you know, we've had these big plans because really, you know, every woman has gone through three stages. I think, you know, it was the beginning stage, <clears throat> which was where we were pioneering a conversation, a. Um, a an understanding of gender behavior difference and that was very challenging and hard then there was acceptance to that which came after the financial crisis mm -hmm. you know that was a tipping point in the conversation around diversity when the world woke up to the fact that groupthink really is quite destructive and actually organizations need to get diversity into their thinking into their teams and into their leadership to reflect the world at large and to reflect their communities and to and their and their customers so, you know, that's when every woman really started to work, um, I think, in a more, in a more um, research-based way with organisations about what is the impact that a company can have that will, you know, help them be better, better organisations and do better business and be more profitable if they build diverse teams and that they understand um, that there is difference between communities, uh, you know, the communities of their workforce. Um, and so that's kind of, we then laid the groundwork and, the, and built the programs and, and the understanding and worked with companies on research. So there was deep understanding around that. And then in it kind of like 2017, 18, this had really built momentum. And um, it, all organisations were now, this was no longer a challenging conversation. This was actually every leadership team wanted to know how they could build great, diverse, talented teams. And so we were busy. Um, and also we were, now, we, we were now on a quest to become very global. So we had started our global um, expansion. We've been to India in 2018. We've been to Canada in 2019. And so life was looking very exciting for us because we were starting to realize our uh, vision from 20 years ago it's been a long you know journey mm -hmm. and um so we were feeling really positive about actually you know every woman is going to is going to realize its vision which is to be every woman everywhere we were also building a huge male advocate community which is very important to us so you, you know we were but when the pandemic hit it was like oh gosh actually this is probably going to fall down the priority list of of leadership as they as they navigate this pandemic mm. that has um, been the biggest surprise hasn't it that was yeah. our biggest fear but actually the well-being of people and the different challenges that you know 
women in the home with caring responsibilities, all of those other things, that all contributed to the well-being and the safety and um, the pastoral care responsibilities that an organization had to its people. And so the diversity conversation ha has not gone away at all. Um, it has become even, even more important. Um, and I think that, you know, the series of events that have happened this year also with Black Lives Matter um, mm -hmm. and, and the focus on um, shareholders as and investors wanting to see greater diversity, customers demanding it, employees um, just deciding, you know, if that's they, that they will, will or won't work for an organization based on their um, a, approach to diversity and inclusion within the organization. All of those things have continued to be high on the agenda to our surprise, right, Karen? Yeah, exactly. And, and so, so, you know, obviously our first um, um, priority was, you know, the, biz, the, the people that we have in the business, our small team, a great team of 20 people, their well-being, their safety, what we're going to do. So we were in, you know, real crisis operational mode. Um, deploying them, putting them at home, um, and getting everybody settled. So once, once we got over that, and, and, and that was in, in play, we were then thinking about, okay, so now what do we do? Obviously, as you rightly said, Elaine, we had loads of events scheduled, so they were all um, cancelled. But where I think we had a great advantage, and this is, you know, having had the business for 20 years, you know, over the past six years, we have really been developing the digital offering around every woman. And so we already had a really great um, digital platform that, that ran webinars, that um, provided great content, that relayed stories, that connected the community with a hundred plus, you know, great organizations as partners that were giving access to the platform to their employees and so we didn't have to start from scratch all we actually had to do was then extend that extend that into an event program yeah. um and i think what was lovely for us it's great to hear what you said about our the every woman awards in december because we have had phenomenal feedback about the presentation of that program because i think most people just sort of have done stuff on zoom and zoom is great of course what we did is to take it to another level because what we wanted to protect was the fact that that program is so well known for being so highly inspirational and so emotional about conveying the stories that people go through when they build a business um, and the adversity that they overcome and the funny sides to it yeah. and the tragic sides to it. And we didn't want to lose that. So we made it all about the nominee, the finalists, and all about their stories. And they rose the challenge by filming on their phones a day in the life of. And I think people were quite surprised at how brilliant we had produced that, brilliantly we produced that program. And of course, <laughs> it made us laugh because it's like, oh gosh, this is what we wanted to do 25 years ago. A bit of cooking reproduction. <laughs> but it, you know, it did it did come across well and and so I think what it's done for us really is escalate what we've been trying to do um, for the past few years, which is, is more work across digital. Yeah. Because, of course, digital, again, provides flexibility. Um, and I think it's been interesting amongst our team and talking to all of our clients and their teams about what people really feel about agile working now and working from home. And, of course, that's a mixed bag, too. Mm -hmm. that we're yes. getting our heads around. Uh, yes, I think there, there are many silver linings, if you can call them that, 
um, to, to the COVID experience. Uh, one of them is that no longer there's a suspicion around working at home and the fear of working at home. Now it's kind of a normal thing to do. And also it's modified some of the events that you'd have and turned it into a hybrid form of event and therefore reaching a, a lot more individuals, a lot more people. And I'm sure you're going to take that forward, aren't you? Oh, definitely. I think one of the, you know, the, the flexibility of anybody, anywhere, being able to contribute to a digital event, whether it's a, you know, pre-recorded something or in person, you know, instantly gives you greater diversity and enables you to, to basically crack open the whole world and go, who do we want to have come and participate? Mm -hmm. And that is a really inclusive thing to be able to offer. And it's been phenomenal um, to be able to invite and hear from women that ordinarily, you know, because they'd be in bed on the other side of the world, we wouldn't be able to have contribute to something because they couldn't get to London. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that has been a, a huge, um, hugely exciting opportunity. Yes. So it's going to be interesting and exciting to see some of your events going forward and and how that pans out, especially, as I said, with the December event, I was um, extremely impressed by it and I thought it was fantastic. Um, I want to stay in this space um, with every woman, as long as I possibly can. And um, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, um, how's Brexit affected your business? The horrible word, Brexit. How's it affected the business? It's just been interesting, isn't it? Because every year there's something. It really affected our business um, at the back Last end year. of 2019. Yeah. I, it's so difficult to remember all of it because it feels like we've had three years of, of real um, challenge preventing us forging ahead with our plans and Brexit was definitely one of them. At the last quarter of 2019 business came to a standstill yeah. and we had a lot of really exciting things in play um, and they all stopped because of course you know the election was called, Brexit happened, the election was called, there was you know disruption around the political uh, arena here in the UK and so people just stopped really um, transacting, transacting, transacting and for a small business that's really hard because you take out a whole quarter of work yeah. and that's you know, a quarter of a year and, and it's hard to recover from that so you know we were really looking um, for um, the following year to be the year when we were going to make that recovery and of course you know look what was ahead of us so no it did affect us and I still think uh, you know and it's a f we work across every sector we had yeah. we had we had started a, a really great program and I and I feel you know incredibly mm. sorry for the people in the travel sector yes. you know they were really back being banged about by Brexit and tied up with how they were going to cope with all the new processes and protocol and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, of course, the pandemic has, has just whacked them yeah. for six. But um, also the retail sector. You know, we'd always done a we'd always done a program for women in retail that I think had been running for like 13, 14 years because the you know, huge employer, um, but not very many women at the top. And often seen as a job as opposed to a career. So that was all about really showcasing the career opportunities within that industry. Well, I mean, that has been absolutely decimated this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. um, transport logistics is another industry that we do a lot of work in. And, um, you know, the awards program went ahead digitally um, in October. It was hugely successful. Um, you know, they've had, for many of them, they've had a great you know, 
year. Mm -hmm. um, but with the Brexit conversation happening now, there will be segments of that industry that are really going to be suffering badly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it is very industry, um, I think, specific. Yes, and, uh, and the sad thing about the whole, the whole Brexit situation, it's not, it's not over yet, it's almost like the beginning. Now that has happened, it's, now we're going to feel the effects at some point, um, in terms of depending on what sector you're, you're, you're working in. Um, the, the, the question I wanted to ask again, um, staying once again with every woman, um, since the start of every woman, has the original objective changed deviated in any way shape or form you know through the passing of time uh, i think well uh, you know as we said initially we set out to build a community of women who were starting growing their own businesses because that was our personal need that was our experience and and that's what we wanted to do and it it evolved into um the wider workforce when you know the organizations as karen said that were working with us their employees their female employees said everything that you're talking about resonates for us too so it so i think it's kind of evolved more than um deviated it was always about um uncovering role models because we knew those stories inspired others it was always about helping build connections and networks mm -hmm. and it was always about focusing on the skills, the, the development of leadership skills to help you achieve your ambitions. And actually that hasn't changed. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, the business has business model. We've tried different things um, to reach out to the market, to, to build a community, to get more corporate organizations and mid-side organizations involved but actually our purpose has remained the same over the past two decades so so the business hasn't changed what it has done is matured and um uh, and that maturity has brought with it an expansion of offerings to people a, an expansion of understanding we're seen very much as experts in the field around not just gender but the whole diversity and inclusion conversation because we've got you know, we've got staff that have been with us that are passionate about this subject that are really, you know, become experts in their field for 12, 15 years. Um, we've got, you know, a really talented team. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think it's changed at all. I think it's just evolved, as Max said, evolved and matured um, and expanded. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the whole conversation has become more nuanced and... Um, uh specific you know the, the more specific to industry sectors or organizations territories you know there are there are variations on the theme but it's still that same mm -hmm. that the underlying foundations mm -hmm. are solid and i also think that industries corporations or whatever group are more comfortable having these conversations now are willing to have these conversations now and kind of uh, can't afford not to have these conversations now which is i think that that's one of the changes i've noticed oh absolutely and uh, the people leaders and this is you know a, a people this is about people that is a, it's a board conversation mm -hmm. um and it's a priority board conversation mm -hmm. uh, no I, I totally agree because nothing will be actioned unless the board the, the executive the decision makers are actually part of it and absolutely driving and running it so yes I, I think that that's important let's um talk about the two of you karen and maxine you're a team you're a partnership and you've been together for over two 
decades. Um, <laughs> something is working well for you both, two decades in terms of every woman, but I'm sure you've been together longer. You've mentioned that before. Tell us what it is. Um, you seem as strong as ever. What's working for you both? How, how do you do it? I think it's, it's quite interesting, actually. It's interesting for us at the moment because we're actually dealing with, um, and, you know, we see a lot of partnerships through our um, community, especially through the awards programmes. And you hear and you read a lot of very, very acrimonious and, and bitter separations from when people start enterprises because they might start them with a, um, a joint passion or a, a joint goal, but they, that things change over time um, and people change over time. So I, I think there's an element of, of, of luck um, but less an element of luck uh, and, and I think you know, a lot of people when they meet Max and I think oh they're very very different but I think we're so much more alike than we're different mm -hmm. so we have the same yeah. values them. we have the same se sense of humour we, we have a huge respect for each other which I think obviously is critical mm -hmm. I think we, 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 we really um, bounce off each other so our minds operate at the same speed at the same on the same wavelength, really, wouldn't you say, Max? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, um, I think one of the other things that perhaps we've had that many other partnerships don't have is if you think about the business that we are in, it is, it is a very big community of collaboration and we get a lot of um, input we get to meet an enormous amount of people with an enormous amount of energy mm. and they too have got a sh you know share our passion in some way or we probably wouldn't be having a conversation and so you know that also i think um keeps us honest and respectful of each other and also feeds us so we're not totally dependent upon each other um mm. for how we develop and grow personally because we get so much input from so many other people i you know that 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 input i think is is a rare privilege that we you know value greatly but i think it's played a role as well don't you karen absolutely i mean one of the things that we say is that you know if there's one thing that we have got out of the last two decades um it's the extraordinary people that we've had the privilege to meet that have given us time that have helped us that we've had incredible conversations with um yeah it has it's been an incredible it's that, that that part of it and and as max said you know that has kept us inspired and therefore yeah. not dependent mm -hmm. on yeah. each other for that inspiration and that support that, that's fantastic and long way continues. There was a question I was, I was going to ask, but in a way, both you, um, Karen and Maxine, answered it beforehand. That was all about programmes and change and getting corporations or industry on board. And you've pretty, pretty much told us that you're, you're working quite heavily with them. You're working on programmes in order to, to advance women in a business. And also the fact that they cannot not address the diversity and inclusion. So we've covered that, but let's move into um, industries that are, are doing better than others in, in terms of redressing the balance of women in the workforce and in turn advancing them in the business. What industries are, are struggling or are not doing so well in redressing such balance and, and why do you think that's the case? And also on the other hand, 
where are women flourishing the most? What sector or business areas? Mm. I think that's that's an interesting question because, you know, had you you know you asked that maybe fifteen years ago, it would be very easy to just. Um, pinpoint yeah. industry sectors and go terrible 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 they're getting better they're doing quite well mm-hmm. that, that it's not as simple as that anymore i don't think because within all industry sectors it's a very broad range mm-hmm. um you'll often find a broad range of, of companies that are are doing who are different places on their journey mm-hmm. um so i think i I think that today within any industry sector, there is no one industry sector that you would say is absolutely n- not having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a case of how far they may be on that journey, uh, who the leadership is and how high up their, the, the agenda it is for the CEO and the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there have been industry sectors that were maybe slower to get things moving and that would be things like uh, the legal profession partnerships where they didn't have shareholders um, that they needed to report on these kind of things it was very you know hourly billing culture and that kind of thing so there was some that didn't feel they needed to or didn't feel the pressure from shareholders and um, as early on Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously male dominated industries, um, sort of manufacturing, engineering that have been slower to it too. Then, then, then of course there's things like technology, which is in every single organization today. And I think that they have been, uh, front leaders in a focus on getting more women into technology and engineering. Still well, I think that's even more complicated. Maths, isn't it? I mean, we are putting a huge amount of effort into women in tech, girls women in tech, because it it, it actually is does right back to education, and you know we we as as a society have got to get more girls to see technology for what it is that it's in everything. It's in fashion design. It's in it's in the creation of uh, beauty products. It's in you know, construction, it's, it's in transportation, it's in everywhere. And yet, actually, when you research in schools around girls, around technologies, it's still seen as quite a male and, and boy thing to do and geeky. Um, so there are a lot of fantastic associations, you know, Tech She Can, that are working with education to just to really try to break that down. Because, of course, that means that there is just fewer girls coming in and young women coming into tech in the first instance. And therefore, that's why you've got a dearth of women in the in the technology roles. That's slowly, slowly changing. I'm I'm starting to see a lot of drive for pushing girls and women into the the STEM environment. So um, that's great. uh, a very quick question, if you could answer that sort of briefly before we move on, because um, I'm conscious of the time. And um, are there sectors that you believe are, are less attractive to women um, to do, or, or or just not grab women's attention um, so much, uh, and perhaps a, a missed opportunity for both women and the sector? A great partnership that never was, apart from technology. Or do you think there's like any other sectors? Hmm. Uh, interesting question. Missed opportunities for women. Um, Engineering and construction, Max. I mean, the, you yeah. know, 
it, it, it is, it's a tough one because, and this goes back to the role modeling and you can't be what you can't see. You know, when you work, walk around the world, when the world was a world you could walk around in and you're, you're watching TV and you're watching programs and you're just walking in the streets, you look at construction and engineering. It is just, you, you see very few women. It's all guys in hard hats and orange jackets. And therefore, you, you know, subliminally, girls are just not seeing, seeing that for what it is. And yet when we meet, and we have met the most incredible female engineers, haven't we, Max, that you know, have worked on the Crossrail project, that have worked yeah. on NASA. Um, you know, engineering is an incredible um, career, you know, in terms of detail and creating innovation. Um, and so creating the world around you, you know, the way that we live, the way that we operate, um, it, it, it is building societies. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. So I think engineering is something where, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of just being girls being able to see what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I think I think the, the starting point is probably education in the school environment they need to as you say they need to see they need to see i think the examples of that the engineer that you talked about in the schools talking to children about such careers and then seeing a female doing it thinking well i, I can actually do that myself so and i, I thought it sort of um, industries like facility management you know transport and logistics you, that's, that's another sort of area where you see very few women and you kind of wonder what they could achieve if they get involved in that Okay, now uh, this one I've got is, is an interesting one. Um, what do you think in the distant future, that the, or when do you think I should say in the distant future, that the work you are doing at the moment will be obsolete and that the goal of advancing <laughs> women in business will be achieved? I know, I knew you were going to laugh at that, but when, when do you think? Oh gosh, you know, unfortunately, not in our lifetime. I mean, no. you know, you can't break down a few thousand years worth of stereotyping. <laughs> Oh, um, and, and of course, there is all the nature nurture. I think part of the work that we've done around gender behaviour difference over the last few years, where you know there has there's there's a scientific proof around the difference physiologically, biologically around women and men's makeup, the size of their brains, how they use their brains. It's been really interesting, and and. And therefore, you are not going to change certain aspects, and neither would we want to, certain aspects of our beings and how we operate, you know, but working together is definitely the optimum mm -hmm. um, and pulling on our, our great strengths as men and women. Um, and then, of course, you've got all sorts of, um, you know, gender difference. It, 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 I don't think we've even touched the tip of the iceberg in terms of transgender you know the whole gender community is something that's very fascinating for us as a human as the human race to get to understand and we've been so stereotyped for so many years and pigeonholed that it's just not going to be you're not going to break that down to brains isn't it yeah exactly I think the other thing of course is that you know if you look at uh you take a snapshot of the workforce and you've kind of got people in there say from 20 to 65 70 you know the workforce is getting older mm. 50 years um a, a difference in ex life experience and that conscious and unconscious bias and what your drivers have been and what you've known and um the environment that you have grown up in um both from a home 
and societal point of view, but also in the workplace, that is a that is a very diverse mix of experience and um, uh, thinking uh, that comes in to uh, to any given workforce. So the idea that at any time in the near future that organisations won't need support with how they can ensure that all of that diverse workforce um, is bringing their themselves and their best of themselves to the workplace to create value in the business. I don't think that's going away anywhere soon. No, and you know, um, there was a, a depressing study that said it will take 237 years for that to happen. So you're right, it's not in your lifetime or our grandchildren's lifetime. So that's, that's not, you know, that, that's not very nice, but you know, it's moving in the right direction, at least we can say that. Okay, yes. um, let's listen on, the, on this just this is a straightforward question. You, have you been bold enough to make new plans in this climate? Um, what's happening in the future, the things that you're doing in terms of the work, or perhaps personal? Um, Karen, do you want to start? New plans. <laughs> Um, no, they're not new plans. Um, I, we feel like the, um, I think the situation has given us, given us an opportunity to, to think and to just make sure that actually that we don't, we're not missing anything in the, in the new world and that we are, you know, that we are giving our clients what they need right now. Yeah. Um, but no, our plans, our plans are still about you know, international expansion, yep. our vision is every woman everywhere. I think the key thing that Max and I have talked about is that we really want to make sure that every woman um, gets stronger, gets bigger, and gets handed over to the next generation. And so uh, we're on a quest really to get younger people into every woman. We, you know, our, you know what is our succession? What role do we have to play in the business going forward? We have got some great young talent, actually. So, it, it, but it is about that because, of course, as, you, as, as we talked about just now, in terms of the difference in 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 what young people want from their workplace today and their employees and and their colleagues is very very different, and it's for them to start driving. I think the world that they want, the culture they want, and the diversity they want within that. Mm. Do you want to add to that, Maxine, or is a yay? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, we, we're headed in the same direction. I think that um, it, as the conversation, I think, in the workplace generally becomes, uh, you know, more sophisticated, um, higher, continues to be high up the agenda, um, you know, organizations are able to move at a faster pace then for us also it just is always about of course you know having our finger on the pulse and being able to respond to the needs and that requirement will get quicker and quicker i'm sure so it is it is about that too okay um and i'll do my little bit here to, to aid with, with your expansion i want to put a link um of the every woman's website on this episode description so that wherever anyone sort of downloads or look at it they'll find a link there is there a, a link of the perhaps the program events or a plan of activities that's going to happen in 2021 that i can also put there so that people can see it and perhaps join in and webinars joining that sort of stuff and um, if you haven't got that link there and then just send it to me later and um, i can add it to the episode description will that be fine yeah, we 
you've got that absolutely and you know our impact report and some other bits and pieces of other information and, and insight that you can yeah if you send that to me so i can actually I put the link. sorry impact report might not have been a link though well, well that's fine and um, what, what you've got that would um provide the necessary information for my listeners who would probably want more information about every woman want to know more about some of the things that's going to happen this year with every woman and perhaps if they can get involved on in a virtual remote yeah. basis I think that's that's something I want to stick at the end of this episode so that they can they have that. Because what tends to happen is if someone listens to this discussion, they want to know more and they want to click immediately rather than having to leave the discussion. So there you go. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay, Karen Gill and Maxine Benson, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, Elaine. It's been an absolute pleasure spending some time with you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle Schwitter. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with the British Swiss Chamber of Commerce. The British Swiss Chamber of Commerce is an independent, non-for-profit organization dedicated to supporting over 500 members in Switzerland, Liechtenstein and the UK. The British Swiss Chamber of Commerce helps businesses grow. With members from 12 industry sectors, we offer an open forum for debate, networking, and access to key decision makers and influencers and welcome members from all sectors and nationalities. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter.